Each of us must be responsible for our own liberation. It's not something that another can do for you. And liberation is not an attainment. It's the most paradoxical thing. If you read the Buddhist sutras, particularly the Mahayana sutras, they constantly emphasize Buddha didn't attain anything. It's all over the Diamond Sutra. Buddha didn't attain anything. Why would they say that? If that's true, why bother meditating? Why is there such thing as Buddhism or any other spiritual path if there's nothing to attain? If you misunderstand that statement, of course, it'll lead to nihilism and indifference and apathy and what's the point of it all kind of an attitude. But that's not what these sutras are trying to get at. Quite the opposite. But that's what makes this path a razor's edge. It's very easy to fall off on one side or the other. The reason that it's not an attainment is that liberation actually requires losing something. The problem is we've already attained something too much. We've attained a false identity. That's what gets in the way of our bliss. A mask on top of the original true self. And it's that mask that's all screwed up and the cause of our suffering. But we're in love with the mask and we're terrified to take it off. So we don't want to let it go. So it's not that we have to get something, but we have to let go of something. And yet it's the thing that we're most proud of, this ego that we've constructed. It's our doll, it's our great idol that we worship. And who can let go of that? What will I be if I let go of that? And it's this anxiety of being nothing if I let go of the mask. And being vulnerable. Because you could also use the metaphor of saying the ego is like a tank. You know, like one of these war machines. It's full of armor to protect itself against attacks. It's got a cannon mouth right in the middle. It's got all kinds of little holes for machine guns. You know, it can run on these tracks and any terrain. It's really tough. It can put up with all kinds of nastiness and give back more than it gets. The problem is that it can't fly. It can't accomplish joy. You don't go out for a joy ride in a tank. Right? It's only geared for war and it forces you to see life as a war. So if we want to get out of the tank and start to fly, then we have to become like a UFO, right? Except in this case, it's a UFS. We have to become an unidentified flying subject, not an object. And we become unidentified when we stop identifying with the ego. And then we're free and we can fly. And we don't have any more need for defense mechanisms because there's nothing to defend, nothing to protect once we're unidentified. And then our natural state is being able to fly. So this is the normal, original state of our being, but we have attained this ego that actually is the cause of our suffering. And so 
Behind that ego, of course, we are already liberated. We are already that which we think we're seeking and yet also putting off. So the whole spiritual search is really very similar to St. Augustine's famous phrase in his Confessions where he said, Oh God, give me purity, give me celibacy, but, but not quite yet. Right? Let me go out and have one more fling and then I'd like to become a brahmachari, but not quite yet. I'm not ready for sainthood. And so the ego fears the very thing it claims to be seeking because it doesn't want to lose its pleasures, what it imagines it will have to lose. Really what it's only going to lose are its sufferings. Because its sufferings are actually what give the ego pleasure because they justify its own defense mechanisms, its own attacks on the other, its own sense of superiority, which is hiding in inferiority. All of that complexity of the ego and its own capacity even to think in strategic ways, like chess players. The ego is a chess player, and it, it has the enjoyment of defeating the other in combat. It's not dharma combat, but it's a kind of combat over superiority, and it uses language as a way of controlling and evading and hiding and playing all the games everyone's very familiar with. And to let go of all of that makes one feel very vulnerable. And it's that fear of the vulnerability. And the fear of being unloved if one doesn't have a beautiful mask. And the fear of being rejected and abandoned and lonely in the world. All of those kinds of fears that turn out to be illusory once the mask is dropped and one is in one's heart then the love that one was seeking turns out to be the love that one already is. And the neediness of clutching onto someone else for security falls away also. That's one of the cosmic jokes. I heard you were discussing cosmic jokes tonight in the study group. That's the ultimate one, is that the very love that you're seeking and never somehow find in this mirage of a world is what you have always been and have not recognized. So the act of meditation is simply letting go. Letting go not just of particular objects that you think you want that will give you happiness, but letting go of the very act of wanting to hold on, of wanting to grasp, of wanting to attain. It is in the desire to want to attain something that we lose all the riches of our being. And we see this all the time, right? We see it most obviously in politics and in the the world of celebrities, right? Uh, and it's in the New Testament, right? What profiteth a man if he gain the whole world but loseth his own soul? And so how many have, in the search for wealth, financial wealth, have lost the wealth of their spirit, of their integrity, of the purity of their heart, of the things that really count and that are really precious and enable you to sleep at night? and enable you to live a life with integrity, have given that up for false kinds of wealth and false pleasures. So when our values have been brought back into reality and we see things as they really are, and we stop going for the illusory gain that actually causes us to lose more and more of ourself, then we discover that the richness and the joy, the beauty 
the empowerment, all that that we've been looking for, we have ignored the fact that we have it already. It's like the famous story of uh, the guy looking for his glasses, right? and, and they're on. Where are my glasses? I forgot where I put them, right? Oh, finally you realize you were wearing them. So that's all we're doing in meditation, is realizing we are already what we're looking for, but that we feel that we lack. So all you have to do is ask, what do you think you lack? And then you'll find that it's right there. And that's why there's no technique. We don't teach any technique here. You can use any technique you want. Most people come here already, they have one. They have a mantra somebody else gave them, or they have a prayer that they want to repeat, or they want to count their breaths, or do vipassana or whatever it's okay any of it is fine but the real ultimate question is who's doing it and when you discover that who's doing it is a non-identifiable subjectivity that is not a corporeal being it is not a localizable entity but that is this pure presence that is divine that is eternal beyond time and space, beyond all the categories of existence, beyond all the labels that we could put on anything, and that there's nothing more you need to gain. It is that freedom from language itself, from desire, from fear, that is the fulfillment and the only nirvana that there is, but it's the only nirvana we need. And it's just here for the price of letting go of a false search. And letting go of a tank that's out of gas anyway. So, I hope we'll allow ourselves to let go of the attainment of the ego and regain the bliss of our true self. Let's meditate.